everyone. I'm Abby Feeder, Certified Life and Fertility Coach, and you're listening to The Fertility Chick. This show is all about the road to parenthood, which is never the same for everyone, and our guests' professional success along the way. We have a beautiful guest today, Dr. Jacqueline Tolentino, who has her own survivor story, her own story of resilience. She became a breast cancer patient at a very young age and really talks about what it's been like to change her life since then, how it affected her potential motherhood plans, what it was like to pursue treatment while a newlywed, and how it's informed her physician practice. She's an incredible doctor that really takes a bespoke approach to each and every patient because she feels that that's what they deserve. I cannot wait for you to hear her. We get into things like what is a microbiome and why is it talked about so much and what is this gut health rage, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Dr. Jacqueline. How are you? I'm doing so well, and I'm really excited about this one. I'm excited too. Thanks for being here. Of course. So most notably among all your things, and you have many, you are a breast cancer survivor, an incredible one, and I want to definitely get into that. And then I also want to talk about your career and how you landed there and how long you've been doing it. So why don't you start by telling us what you do and where you do it and how you got there, and then we can work our way backwards. Okay. What I do, I am a senior doctor at Parsley Health. I practice functional and integrative medicine. I have a background as a board-certified family doctor, and I've been seeing patients virtually for Parsley over the last five years. Which is really exciting because of the fact that I've kind of amassed a lot of patient experience, plus I'm living through it as I'm focusing on myself and my own healing journey as a breast cancer survivor. And then I'm also amassing all of this extra different kind of knowledge than most doctors typically get outside of medical school and training. And I love it. I love it. So let's, let me already rewind because I feel like we hear about functional medicine a lot these days, at least I do within the fertility community. What exactly is functional medicine? So functional medicine, when you look up like how it's defined, it's really defined as helping people understand the root cause of what they're going through from a disease perspective. And the best way I describe it is really through my own experience with it. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, this was way back in 2016, and my husband found it on me while we were playing and tickling each other on the beach. Mm. So there I am, early 30s, and he's the one that found it on me. Whoa. And that was kind of, you know, really the start of a, a snowball journey. But once you kind of fast forward through all the things that a breast cancer patient goes through treatment considerations, all the consultations, surgery. And after that, for me, where I had to make a decision for how I wanted to live the rest of my life from a chronic disease standpoint. Mm. Doctors always tell you, hey, we got it. Don't worry, Jacqueline. We got all the cancer. You had a double mastectomy. You went through treatment. You were on medicine to suppress and put you into menopause. We've got it all. Now you can go back to living your life. Mm. Well, that is the same life and same environment that kind of put you in that position to begin with. And that's when you realize that this can't be the way that I live or else I'm going to be back here in the office seeing you (laughs) as a patient five years down the road. And because I had a double mastectomy, this might be metastatic breast cancer, Mm. right? Liver, bones, brain, lungs, wherever else. And so for me, I was like, you know what? I, I can't, this this can't be it. I can't mm-hmm. just see a primary care doctor once a year to get an annual physical. I can't uh, just 
you know, hang on the words by my oncologist who, you know, over time you, you start seeing less and less, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple times a year, then it's once a year. And to say, go back to living your life because that just didn't sit well with me. I love that. That's such a really unusual, I think, reframe that if I went back to what it was, I would end up right where I am and this is not where I want to be. So I love that. I love, I'm just trying to get my head around that. Okay. So you want to get to the root cause. Does it have to be when there's a disease or would anybody come see a functional medicine doctor or only when something's sort of off in your body? That's a great question. A lot of people are coming to see me at Parsley because they want to optimize where they're at. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't have a disease currently, but they're wondering if they're deficient in nutrients. They're wondering if they're chronic, low-grade IBS symptoms like bloating and gas and not having a bowel movement every day is creating harm. So some people are coming to see me because they do or have already been diagnosed with something and they want to prevent it from coming back. Some are like in the midst of treatment for whatever condition it is, autoimmune disease, thyroid disorder, you know, IBS or inflammatory bowel or something else, you know, breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, I don't feel like I've, I've gotten a good grasp on this treatment protocol or what this answer is for, for why this has started to begin with. And I'm looking for a different perspective. Mm. I'm looking for different kinds of tools that are going to help me get to where I want to get, such as resolution or suppression, um, that might not just be, you. I want you to take this medicine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not vilifying medicine at all. Absolutely. It's still part of my toolbox. I prescribe medicines, of course, but that is not the only tool in my toolbox. And so when people see a functional medicine doctor, they're looking at it from a different perspective. It is an interconnectedness of the whole body. We know that the brain is not disconnected or separated from the body. We know that the organ systems are all communicating and working together. We know that the nervous system innervates all over the entire from the neck down, it's not just in our brain, right? Mm -hmm. So that interconnected perspective and philosophy around medicine is really what people are after. Mm, I love that. Okay. So now let's get back to you. Were you doing functional medicine already when you were diagnosed? Good question. I was 30. I had just turned 33, living in Miami, practicing concierge medicine, plus insurance base at a practice that was a multi-specialty practice. And at the time, my delve into functional medicine really started with hormones and hormone optimization, which is why I focus so much on women's health and hormones and helping them understand that part of their bodies. That was the first step. And I had already been practicing that kind of medicine into hormone health prior to diving into functional medicine. And then when you Google functional medicine and you're looking for places to learn, this is early on, right? We're talking 2017 here. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of places that you could get that kind of information, but I was looking for structure and I was looking for an, a curriculum that was going to dig deeper than what I would already get as a primary doctor. So a lot of the curriculum, if you've ever looked into it, Abby, a lot of it is like learning about the body at a deeper level. What does that mean? That means learning about how those body systems are interconnected to each other on a biochemical standpoint. It's learning about cellular health and mitochondrial health. It's learning about the immune system and its perspective of it's starting in different areas, including the gut being a main home for immune cells. It's learning about the microbiome of the body. We know that the gut is one main hub, but there's millions of bacteria all over our body. It's learning about stress and hormones 
we know that our body, our, our bodies are meant to be aligned with circadian rhythm. So really aligning with that and focusing on what impact cortisol and melatonin plays into how well your body is able to create and produce the rest of the hormones, also things that you learn about. You don't really touch on all of that in traditional medicine to the depth and the breadth and the extent that you do in functional medicine programs. And I think that's why I was fascinated by it because there I was practicing traditional medicine and you open the door to a world where you're going to understand and learn a lot more about your body and a lot more to share with everyone else. And for me, it was really the key to understanding why some of the things that I was going through, like my breast cancer journey may have happened. Mm. Amazing. So would somebody, well, like in your case, so let's talk about your case. So you, you find this lump, your husband finds this lump. Thank God you guys were tickling each other. Um, (laughs) And were you immediately freaked out or were you like, it's probably nothing? Like what, what was your experience? You know, when you're 33, you're, you're thinking, this has got to be nothing. Yeah. You know, it's got to be. But at the same time, I did have a family history of it. My mom was a breast cancer survivor. She still is. She's in her 80s, her early 80s now. And she had cancer when she was 48 and again when she was 68. So mm. she's had it twice. She did genetic testing. I did genetic testing. We're both negative for any of the, the genes that have been you know researched and found. But still, I'm like, I'm 33. I just got married. Like... Yeah. This this is this must be nothing. That's one side of like you trying to reassure yourself at that age. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that is what does it mean if that's nothing? If that's not what this is, then what you know what it? could yeah, what is it? What could it be? And so there's a there's a dark side to it. There's that light side where you're trying to trying to stay positive and then there's a side of like wow, I, I just I don't know what I will do. I felt really lucky that I had a good support system and that my husband was very supportive because we just got married. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like how is, how, how can I explain this? How can I talk to him about it? And I remember that as we were navigating through treatments and protocol and seeing different doctors, and of course I sought out different specialists. I flew up to New York to have additional information and to see a specialist there, an oncologist to gather more expert opinion that way I felt like I was as most informed as I could be mm-hmm. for what decision I wanted to make. And I remember at one point I came home and there was an Amazon box. And of course I'm like, all right, let me just see what this is. And the book, Abby, was Breast Cancer Husband, How to Help Your Wife Through Diagnosis, Treatment, and Beyond. I was like all drawn into I'm tears. like about to cry. That's so special. <laughs> I was like oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't believe he, he, you know, he Did wanted that on to his like own. take it, take it upon himself to like figure out how he could support me. Because at that point I had not gone through any of the treatments yet. And I was still trying to navigate my own decision-making and I needed someone to lean on and for him to want to explore it to that level so that he mm. approaches me thoughtfully. I was like, ah, oh. I mean, and and seriously, like, like let, of course, let's give him credit. Like, we're like, oh my God, he bought a book. This is amazing. But I think it's because even the best of husbands sometimes don't even know where to turn. And so the fact that he didn't ask you where to turn and just took it on himself actually is a really killer support wow. system, you know? Yeah. And I was so grateful for that. I, w- I remember telling him, I can't believe you. <laughs> like, I can't believe you did this. This means more than you know. I'll never forget this because when you're going through that, you feel really alone. And while you're still in the midst of trying to understand if it's true or not, and like, you know, biopsies, waiting for things, you still feel like 
the world is caving in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having that support system, having him and there with me and beyond, it's been seven years, but also supportive of me taking that step to make the decisions that I made and then deciding on what more I needed to learn. How else can I learn about my body? How can I share this with people in the right way so that they understand that there are other ways to learn about breast cancer and root causes of the condition and and so on? Because nobody has a perfect answer, but we can put the pieces together once you really take a look at somebody's life story and how they've been living their lives and get some of the answers that will kind of like give you that confidence to remind yourself that there are, are things that you can do. And you don't have to feel powerless. So when you and Charles married, was parenthood something you had talked about? That's a great question. Parenthood was certainly a conversation that we had brought up, but we didn't really consider it aggressively until we were thinking about it at the time of the diagnosis, right? Because we had just gotten married like the year, less than the year before. Mm-hmm. I personally think that that's one of the bigger things for the breast cancer community that a lot of people don't talk enough about is the detrimental effects of any type of cancer and how that can affect the fertility journey for women and allowing women to feel okay to talk about what questions they have, making these decisions about their fertility, learning about it at an earlier age. Mm. You know, by the time women are coming to see me at Parsley to talk about fertility, it's later a lot later. Yeah. It's not mid 20s, you know, you know, late 20s, early 30s. Some well, it's This is the same. Later. This is my whole plight of my fertility business. Yes. We don't know what we don't know until we're faced yeah. with it and it's become crisis mode and the stakes are so high. Yes. If we can work these sort of I don't want to say alternative ways because getting functional medicine help should not be an alternative to anything. It should be the norm. Getting support through your fertility journey should not be an alternative. It should be the norm. If we can start yeah. these conversations sooner, like the amount of pain and, and suffering and disease we can spare ourselves would be enormous. This right. is like I could go on a soapbox about this for an hour. I won't, but I'm just saying like why do we only do this when it's too late, you know? It's so frustrating. I know. I wanted to cr- – like I think about all women that are seeking professional careers and jobs that require and demand so much of them. Mm-hmm even in their 20s, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, that's a big concern for me yeah. from a fertility standpoint. And I'm not saying that every woman you know, needs to have or wants to have a plan, but a lot do. Right. And they just don't know how to approach that, right? So like having a, having a space, having resources, totally agree with you. Looking at a body from a holistic perspective, I think that's one of the reasons why Parsley is also expanding into the insurance market. We do have insured, insurance offered for patients in California and New York and hopefully in other places to come, mm-hmm. you know? So like people with Aetna, people with Blue Cross, they're able to see a doctor that is rooted in traditional medicine, but also has this functional medicine mind, this mm-hmm. scope of practice where they've educated themselves on these layers of understanding the body in this way. Mm-hmm. And it changes the recommendations. Yeah. The recommendations are not just, I'll see you 15 minutes and here's your prescription. It's like, Let's pause and take a look at everything that's been going on at the time that you were diagnosed so that we understand exactly what was happening to your body on all of those levels that helped to create this harmful environment that created cancer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So you were faced sort of sooner than expected with this parenthood question and Mm -hmm. you can get as personal or not as you like, but 
was did anyone talk to you about fertility preservation? Did it cross your minds? How did it how did it yeah. play out for you? Yeah, so the conversation at that point was, okay, how many years have you been on birth control? And I was like, oh, really? You've been on it for that many years? You know? mm-hmm. And I'm sure you hear that a lot from mm-hmm. a lot of clients. Like, yep. you know, you were put on it in your teens and people just forgot about you. The medical system may have even forgotten about you to the point where doctors just dismissed it and took it like, okay, I saw the doctor in college and they just put me on that prescription for a 12-month refill. And then I came back and barely had a physical and again, 12-month refill. And there wasn't a lot of education into side effects, long-term effects, possible long-term effects, you know, nor would I say did a lot of the doctors that may have even prescribed that really understand how hormones are metabolized in the body. Yeah. And that's really something that you start to learn once you delve into more of the, you know, functional holistic medicine approach, because then you really do start to learn that there are ways that these hormones are harming or helping, depending on how you look at it, right? Yeah. In that case, after diagnosis and after treatment, I, I had to figure out what to do with from a fertility standpoint. And you asked about what I did, and I'm, I'm happy to share because I think that this is how we learn. We learn from other people's personal right. experiences. Yeah. Um, I had exactly three months before starting chemotherapy. They were able to do a double mastectomy relatively quickly from the time that we found it from biopsy and, you know, checking the PET scan and everything else. But after the surgery, they put in these awful expanders that make you feel so uncomfortable. And then I had to wait exactly three months to consider um, replacing those expanders with um, the actual implants. In between that time period is okay, Jacqueline, you have three months to decide on what you want to do with your fertility. Three months. So I actually did a triple stem IVF back to back to back over that course. But when you think about what my body was under, the stress from the surgery itself, the hormone suppression, the, you know, long history of birth control. Think about a woman who had experienced that and like, How great could the outcomes be from retrieval? And of course, the stress of what those eggs were under. So I think that's probably also why my heart has always been in helping women understand their bodies from a hormone perspective. It's because I know what that experience was like for me and how I did not feel like I had that education, even to the level that I I know it now. But back then, you know, I was really in my infancy for learning it. on a deeper level like that. So it really was a big impact for me. I can't even imagine three back-to-back IVF stims. Like <laughs> one and then another six months later is enough on your mind to like make your whole year a shit year. So I can't even – I mean, yeah, I'm sorry you had to deal with all of that so quickly. You're literally – it's Aww. like life and death for you, life and death for your potential offspring. Get it together in the next five minutes and make a decision. That's a lot. It was a big, big undertaking. And you know how it is, the drugs, the injections. I had expanders in that were getting expanded every week. Like it was, it was an insane time of my life that I look back and I'm like, holy cow, I, I got through that. I'm able to educate others, teach other women, help them understand their bodies. And I, I feel very grateful that I'm still here seven years later to do what I do. But it, I look back on it and I'm like, there must have been a reason why I had gone through it the way that I did so that I could learn medicine the way that I do now, you know? 
I feel the same way about my journey. And I know for somebody listening to this who is going through something very hard, it's easy for us to say that we're now that we're on the other side of it. Like, oh, I have no doubt. And I say this all the time. I have no doubt that I went through what I went through in order to be able to help other people go through it. But if you would have told me that during, I would have been like, F you, I don't care. I'd still rather not go through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, and, and <clears throat> the way that I look at it now is it is a chronic disease, right? Mm -hmm. Cancer is a chronic disease. There is signs of no evidence of disease. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that I, I all the things that I've learned in the past seven years, how I take care of myself are also what's like keeping me feeling really confident and educated about what I do and the decisions that I make now. Mm -hmm. So that every year when I do go see that oncologist, like I just saw her recently, it's literally a, a 10 minute go in, hi, how are you doing? You know, quick exam, lab work. And that's really the extent of care that, you know, that I, that they, that they can provide. Yeah. That's really it right now. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be up to me right. to take care of my body in, in the way that I know I need to. Yeah. Which again, goes back to education because you know better than that shouldn't, those 10 minutes a year shouldn't be all you get. But a lot of people don't know better. You know, it's like people have horrible experiences with medical professionals, but they don't know better that it's not supposed to be that way. And that's, I think, another epidemic that we could get into a whole episode about. Anyway, yeah. so there are rumors, myths, maybe not myths, that fertility drugs in the long term could cause cancer. Do you mm. believe that? And part of me feels like we don't have enough – we haven't done research for enough time because, right, IVF's only 45 years old. Correct. Do you fear that one day we'll learn that, yes, all these people who did IVF, me included, have the higher risk for some form of hormonal cancers? That's a good question. Well, for someone like me who has a lot of the hormonal education be behind it and who's done a lot of research into this, no matter what decision we make, it's always going to be risk versus benefit. And there is so much, I agree with you, that we just don't know. Because it's in its infancy, there hasn't been enough research to be able to, to make those calls. And when you talk to fertilities about it, and when you sign the paperwork, every single time you go into one of those offices, they also say the same thing. We don't know. Mm. So I don't think that anyone can have an absolute answer as of now. What I can tell you is that what I learned through functional medicine is that there are ways for our body to support physiology naturally, to help our body detoxify, to help our body support natural foundational mechanisms even before we detoxify, which we call redox, mm. redox potential, to like make sure that our body is able to do all the things before it starts to do all the things. Yeah. And I know that if you approach it from a holistic perspective, there are ways to kind of feel really confident that your body is going to respond well. Are there any guarantees? No. But I do know that there are pathways for how we detoxify hormones. There are ways to support it through every detox mechanism at first stabilizing how well our potential is to do that in the first place. There are ways that melatonin and sleep and aligning our body's circadian rhythm helps to heal and set reset and get rid of dead cells and get rid of cancerous cells and better support how well our body can cope with our day to day. And then of course, also support healing. So I know that there are ways to do that tangibly, can we identify every perfect solution? No, because it's really a microcosm of multiple solutions for people, right? It's not a great answer, 
to say, yes, we still don't know, but it's better than yes. It's definitely going to give you cancer. I'll take that, you know, (laughs) at this realistic one. Yeah. This is a silly question potentially about circadian rhythm, but I do always think about it. How are you supposed to have a circadian rhythm lifestyle when in winter the sun goes down at 4.30, but in summer it goes down at 8.30? This is a <laughs> real we... question that crosses my mind, okay? <laughs> yeah. I wish we had more time to dig into it and maybe at some point in the future we'll like yeah. unpack the whole box on okay. circadian biology. I dove into it because of my interest in mitochondrial health. We know that there are certain cells in our body that naturally carry a lot more engines to support energetically how well those cells work. It's no surprise that ovulatory cells, the egg cells, are ones that have millions of engines inside each individual cell, the mitochondria, millions of mitochondria, up to like a million, I believe, or something like that. We also know the brain has high mitochondria. We also know the heart in order for the heart to do all the things that it does for us, also high mitochondria. But the highest is actually those egg cells inside the ovaries. So when you think about it, I mean, those are some powerful things, right? To know that the mitochondria also rely on optimizing the circadian rhythm. Our body does have built-in mechanisms to support different seasons, you know, different capabilities of sun exposure how our body is able to get melatonin. We actually get it through daylight, ironically. We get it through the daylight, We then we release it from the pineal gland as we sleep. So there is a whole uh, science into circadian biology that kind of like delves into some of those nuances that people experience based off of where they live and time zones and so on. But aligning to the circadian rhythm of the environment that you're in is typically where you start. And it doesn't really just start with am I sleeping well? It also is, am I exposing to natural amounts of light and outdoors and the earth's energy to kind of like balance out prioritizing like that rest and that sleep. Hmm. So while we focus on protecting the sleep, absolutely. How well we can sleep is also based off of whether or not our body is exposed to this natural light outside. The other reason Mm -hmm. outside of mitochondrial health as to why i became so fascinated by it and why I've been studying circadian biology for the past couple of years is because in the hormone world, as I'm sure you you, you probably know, Mm -hmm. a lot of doctors really just focus on what's going on in here. The brain signals the thyroid gland. The thyroid gland is outputting hormone to the rest of your body like a radar beam that is supporting thermoregulation and metabolism and, and so on. Well, where does the brain get those original signals? to support these feedback loops internally in the body. Those signals that start at the brain really start with a circadian rhythm with a light. Mm. So every time we wake up every morning, when we wanna get our body going, literally revving up the engine of our body, making sure that our battery is recharged and ready to go, it starts with getting outside and getting natural light into our eyes to then trigger signals in the back of our brain to start that clock. Right, to start the way that the brain is communicating with the thyroid, with the pancreas, with the cortisol from the adrenals, with the ovaries. And that's why I became so fascinated by it. Because if we just keep focusing on what's happening inside the human being from here to here all the time, and we're not thinking about the effects of our environment and you know how our body is meant to support be supported by circadian biology, then we're missing a crucial step when it comes to fertility. So if somebody was like, oh, my hormones are a complete mess. I don't know my first step. Would you be like, get outside every morning? Is that like one of the main 
That's an easy, that's a free, easy way, right? For sure. Is like start aligning your body with that circadian, with that circadian rhythm. That's, that would be a great start to kind of like helping that work. Now, once those signals get into the brain, the way that the brain starts to signal the rest of the body, there is a lot of deeper work that needs to go in there. Sure. Right. Like, does this person have the right nutrients? You know, are they able to detoxify properly? Is the microbiome working for them, especially in the gut to help detoxify any extra estrogen, et cetera? So there's absolutely a lot in there. But I still think that that missing piece is really focusing on the fact that the brain needs to get those signals from somewhere. We get it from the way that our body is aligned with the earth. Okay, so if somebody comes and works with you, I guess it depends on what the issue is, but is it a long-term relationship or is it a quicker fix? How does it work? Yeah, good question. Notoriously, I think a lot of functional doctors have always been given like the bad rep for lots of testing, Mm. right? I hear that all the time, that it's always there's just so much testing that's involved. On one hand, testing can be overwhelming, can even be very expensive. It can also be very informative. And not everybody needs every type of test, but that's up to like the individual patient really working with a clinician to prioritize what makes the most sense. And a lot of tests are covered by insurance, and then there are some that are not. Mm -hmm. So really kind of fleshing through the details of what you need to prioritize would really address that. Most of the time when people are seeing a functional doctor, it's more of a long-term relationship. I mean, it's one thing to want a second opinion on a particular situation. And sometimes you'll get that. But at Parsley, people are typically spending three and a half hours with me over the course of a year, and I'm seeing them five times. Hmm. And they're not only seeing me, they actually have a third anchor, which is a health coach that's focused on all things that are driven by lifestyle, which we know is practically everything, Right. right? So- how you, how you sleep, your stress levels, how you eat, what you eat, what time you eat it, what's composed in that meal, how well that food is getting assimilated into your body, lots of things that are driven by lifestyle. So I help people understand their physiology by helping to educate them and interpret the tests and understanding their history. And we're spending a lot of time really getting to know each other. So it's typically not so much just a quick fix because these solutions that, that people are coming to see me for are from these chronic problems mm-hmm. that have been going on for a while, right? Yeah. I will find that there are some optimizers and biohackers that they don't particularly have anything significant, but they want to prevent the Alzheimer's that their mom got diagnosed with mm. or the heart disease that dad had or my grandma had diabetes. And we know that maybe the, the top things at the top of the list for chronic disease creating problems as we get older are right there with them. So they're focused on longevity. How can I keep myself as healthy as possible, thriving for as long as possible? Mm. So like a fertility patient that comes to you, are they generally, you know, by the time they come to me, for example, it's, they're usually seeking treatment already, maybe already at IVF. Are the, is your goal to bring them? I mean, of course, our goal is all to get them sooner. Yes. But do they come to you sort of when it's not working, quote unquote, naturally, which is a word that I hate, but the old fashioned <laughs> way and it's not working and they're trying to get to the bottom of what's going on or how do you feel if you're seeing them, but they're also undergoing all of this very invasive hormonal treatment? Look, I see them at every stage in the journey. You know, I'll see women that are just not, it's not even on their mind yet, but they've been with me since I've been with Parsley for five years. They've kind of been with me through different stages of their life in those five years where they're like, now I'm ready to start. And we're kind of at the start of that. Some women will come to me 
and they've already had a lot of invasive procedures. Mm -hmm. And maybe they've tried two or three and spent thousands of dollars and nothing's working. I think that the perspective on the approach is a shift. There's a paradigm shift into how we think about this. And it's very unique to each individual situation. Some women have gone through multiple IUIs and many IVFs. Some women, we have to think about the pattern of what's not successful and why, you know, and really flesh out those details and understand what is still possible and what options this patient has. A lot of women feel like they only have one option and they don't realize that there are multiple options to motherhood. Yeah. And I think that that's a whole nother episode for another day. But, yeah. you know, even understanding that there are different kinds of options to that. But I'll get them at different stages. I never really vilify where a patient's at or what other doctors are seeing because at the end of the day, our goal is to get to this patient's goal. Yeah, We're all trying to help, might be doing it from different angles. And that's where finding a skilled practitioner who understand the nuances of seeing an IVF doctor and undergoing all these injections and treatments and ultrasounds and you name it, while they're also approaching it from this other lens, you, there's no reason why you can't blend the two. Yes. Where are you right now in terms of your relationship with your survivor status? You mean from breast cancer From standpoint? breast cancer, yeah. I've gotten to a place where I'm looking forward to helping more women. And I see a lot of patients at Parsley and grateful for that. But at some point, I want to expand beyond that. Maybe this is the start of that, you know, being on podcasts and sharing my story and sharing education. Maybe this is writing. Maybe this is a blog. I don't know what's in store, but I do know that I'm so grateful to see patients one-on-one and I can't wait to amplify that because I think there's just so much more to share and a lot more to learn. From a breast cancer standpoint for me, Abby, what I learned through functional medicine was that My cells were absolutely not working well. They were very much depleted. My adrenals were like at the at the bottom of the the ladder because I had been like overworking, overburned out, super stressed. I learned that my estrogen metabolism, even through genetic testing, was not great. (laughs) My mom had breast cancer three times. I'm probably sure that her estrogen metabolism was also not great. And learning how to fix and heal my gut was really important for me. And I was a woman who like wasn't having a lot of those symptoms. Yeah. You know, you think of bloating, gas, pain, and burping, zero. Mm-hmm. But I did have breast cancer and I didn't metabolize estrogen well. So of course, like utilizing some initial testing to take a look at my gut because I didn't have a lot of symptoms, it was really helpful for me. It kind of helped me see that I needed to, to better support the ecosystem of my gut microbiome if I, and my liver if I wanted to make sure that I could get everything out. I needed to sweat better. I was somebody who just barely sweat at all mm. despite working out. And I'm like, well, that that is a, a major sign of detoxification is how well I can sweat and get things out of my body. Some things only come out through sweat. So, you know, learning how to do that and making sure I was moving my body in the right way to do it. There was a lot that kind of like came out from it from a learning perspective. Like, and I wasn't going to get that with seeing my primary care doctor for 15 minutes once a year. Mm. So do you feel like you are a different person now than when you went into breast cancer? 100%. 100%. Perspective has changed. Outlook has changed. Gratitude has changed. You know, so many things are, are very different. Yeah. But I also see that my body has evolved a lot. I see the scars. You know, I see, I see the things that are still there. And it's almost a soft reminder of where my life was once at one point. But I'm also very hopeful 
And I think that, that when you infuse that positive attitude, kind of like is telling all of yourselves, like, you're going to keep getting through this, you know? It's a crazy thing to have experienced, but at the same time, like I've come out on the other side far more educated on hormone health and women's health and breast cancer and cancer prevention than when I had started. And I was already practicing, you know, full-fledged at that time, burning myself out every day at that diagnosis time. So I really took a shift to just make sure that I am prioritizing myself and practicing in a way that's going to keep me excited and motivated about medicine. Like, I think people can also feel that too with their doctors. They can see when their doctors are burnt out, yeah. when they barely have time, when they don't want to do a little research, when, you know, they, they uh, don't want to acknowledge that there are things that they don't know. People can tell when they see doctors that are just kind of like disillusioned by medicine. Right. And I don't want to get to that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Last question. Do yeah. you have any phrase or cliche or something your mom, grandma, anybody told you that you think about often or that that fuels mm-hmm. your work or your life? Yeah. On the daily, and I say this a lot, I also post about it a lot, is to make sure that you listen to your body. And that means something different for everybody. But for me, I look back and that is something that I needed to needed to incorporate like early on and I, I didn't. And I'm grateful that I do now, but I look back at that time of diagnosis in your early 30s and I was so tired all the time. Wasn't paying attention to it, chalking it up to working, chalking it up to doctoring, you know? And that fatigue and that level of fatigue, clearly there was something wrong. And even if I brought it up to a doctor that said, oh yeah, you just need to sleep more. And yet I would sleep more and it would still keep happening. I needed to listen to my body a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so every time you close your eyes and you like think about the symptoms that you have or you don't have, or you think that might something might be going on, find a doctor who's going to listen to you so that you can really advocate for yourself for those symptoms because don't let it be dismissed. I love that one. So important. Well, we'll link out to everybody where to find you and how to find you. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm really excited to be here and, you know, I'm looking forward to like continuing the conversation, Abby, because I, like I feel like we have like on. five different things that we were like, we could do a whole episode on this. So at some point, yeah. maybe we will. <laughs> and thank you for doing this because I know that you mentioned that you're just getting started, but this is the start of something incredibly beautiful and great that's going to be so massive. Thank you. I mean, these honest conversations, this is what people are looking for, right? Thank you. I think you're right. Yeah, they are. Okay, good to see you. See you soon. I do think I'm going to do a follow-up with her. I think so many questions come in that she'd be able to answer. So if you come across any questions medically that you wanted me to ask Dr. Jacqueline, by all means, message me at the Fertility Chick on Instagram because I feel like there are so many specifics she could get into. I love listening to her talk. She's so calming and I feel like is such a great doctor just taking each and every person as a human into her hands. Thank you so much for listening. We got lots of great feedback last week on the Q&A episode, which makes me so happy. And I have to be honest, 
Very big overgeneralization here, but the men who listened to my show really appreciated that episode, which makes me so happy. Please remember, if you ever have questions or need me to break something down for you, you can find me on Instagram at the Fertility Chick at Abby Feeder at Encircle Fertility. Encircle Fertility is my business where I hold the hearts and hands of women and couples going through infertility. Please remember, you don't have to go through it alone, and neither do the people you love. So feel free to send my information along. And in the meantime, please enjoy your week, and I can't wait to see you again. Bye.